Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma-radiated, sworn to protect the world that fears and hates it, and aired live-ish every week, only on the non-productive network at the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as often by Pete James and John Trumbull, writer for Back Issue Magazine from Tomorrow's Publishing. And we are covering... Crisis on Infinite Earths. No, not the CW one. Not really. We're reading the original 1985 Crisis. Some of us for the very first time. Others read it in utero, apparently. (laughs) I'm not sure how how that works. Best not to think too much about that, folks. Oh, that's very disturbing. Uh, But yes, we're going to be reading Crisis issue two. It's a 12-issue miniseries. Many of us are reading it for the first time. Go back and listen to the first episode if you happen to have missed it. This one will probably be a little briefer unless we go on for a very long time about the mammoths, which I am prepared to do. Oh, boy. This, yeah, so this book starts off with uh, just prehistoric Earth and mammoths attacking the Bear Clan. This is, Anthro is not, is the opposite of Commandy. More or less. He yeah. is the first, He's the first boy. boy. He's a cave boy. Yeah. Yes. Anthro is the first boy. Commandy is the last boy on there Earth. There you go. Yeah. So if there are ever bookends fashioned, mm-hmm. anybody has like, some sort of like busts of those two <clears throat> characters, I will not buy them. He also I am has the Anthro amazing and the Commandy. <laughs> that's doing that's the cross. It's like the is. Alpha and the Omega. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's the you one. You got the reference. So uh, yeah, it's a very odd start. Another very odd start. We we kind of started semi in Gorilla City in the recruitment phase from last book, and here we're in the pass uh, with Anthro and a little slice of comedy life. But this does introduce a very interesting thing that I think may carry us into the rest of Crisis, which is time collapsing in some way. Yeah. Uh, because the antimatter stuff is is hitting us in the past, the present, and the future all at once. Because it's angry. somehow right. It's because it's angry. Is that, yeah, because it's, it's it is a crisis of emotion. Yes, yes, as we covered in last episode, it's a crisis of emotion. <laughs> if, it was, if it was cold logic antimatter, it would just be hitting one time at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this is where we uh, I think where we see uh, the uh, Legion of Superheroes. Uh, Earth in the 30th century pop up. Yep. And uh, so where are... uh, James, you don't know anything about the Legion of Superheroes. Absolutely not, no. This is weird because they do make appearance in some uh, uh, DC animated universe things. They seem familiar, but like I didn't notice... I didn't know them specifically. They definitely seemed more familiar than some of the characters we met in the last book. So here's one of the crazy things. Of course, we are reading this because the CW is doing Crisis, and I figured it's a nice tie-in. It's been... Almost 35 years since this book came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, one cool thing is that some of these characters have begun appearing in these series. Well, they mentioned Brainiac 5, who I right. think is in Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah, I think he's most notable. And then a few other of the, you know, the broader strokes, the concepts like Legion of Superheroes in the 30th yeah. century are all elements. So... You know, kudos to DC for still playing with these characters after all these years, but... Well, you gotta keep those trademarks viable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's, that's a big part of it. <laughs> anybody... I know, Pete, you you were not a Legion reader at the time no, or, or now. Were you a Legion leader, John? A Legion leader? A Legion reader? <laughs> I was definitely a re- leader of the Legion. <laughs> okay, talk about that then. <laughs> Um, I, I've gone through like fits and starts with the Legion of Superheroes as I've, I would like read them for a little bit and then 
I would be like, okay, I've got my fill. And then I'd leave them alone for like five years. And then yeah. I'd come back to them later on. Yeah. And the Legion are interesting because they've been rebooted so many times, like three or four times at this point. Mm-hmm. So we really don't know what their history is. And the, the Legion is a book that took a big hit with the crisis because a lot of their history went away. And I, f- uh, I feel uh, like that the Legion is a book that you can read in pieces. Like where it's almost like the comic book that exists within the universe. Cause even our main heroes think of the Legion as, Oh, those other heroes that are out there disjointed so far in the future that it means nothing to us. Right. Well, I mean, because they're so far in the future, they are kind of removed from the rest of the DC universe, but it's a very simple, elegant concept where it's just, teenagers superpowered teenagers from the future yeah i think it might be helpful my my context for the first time i was kind of introduced to the legion was in a issue of marvel's what the comic really where they were doing a parody of uh the teams from the future Mm -hmm. the guardians of the galaxy at the time was exclusively it was marvel's version of the legion really right and they the joke was that every the Legion kept popping into this story, and every time they would completely reintroduce the Legion with all new members. Oh wow! <laughs> or a couple carryovers oh, was that who in, now looked completely different. That was in Spider Boy team up. The the amalgam thing they, they did, did do that in that also. Yeah. But oh, but it, they also yeah, did it in, was, what, it was in what, what the first. Okay, interesting. Interesting. That's really that's catty yeah. and beautiful. You got a good yeah. point though. I think the I think the Spider Boy one uh, was they did that. It was more elegant the way they did. Yeah, he that. he met the Legion and they were completely revamped each time they yeah. met him, and he was meeting them like was it, they, three or four times. The, the, same Legion, the Legion of Galactic Guardians. Yes, yes. yes. honestly, that's smart. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, there's a butterfly effect that should be inflect, uh, affecting them every time. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. It's kind of. Um, it's a nice way to introduce somebody who hasn't really had, they haven't had a lot of real estate yet in the Crisis books, and apparently they're going to have a lot more. But the real meat of this story for me comes in some amazing panels that mm-hmm. involve the Joker coming and fighting, uh, killing somebody, adding another person to the, oh, to the long list. It's not the 30th century space guards who are ready to shoot and kill the mammoths <laughs> and when was- one legionnaire pops up and they're like, ah. That's Screw it, we're going to go get a sandwich. It's more your your jurisdiction. Uh, no, it's it's Joker showing up, killing uh, a descendant of Miles Standish, weird yep. flex, and, uh, and, and fighting Batman with a glue gun. This this is my hook, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, you know, for a bunch of these characters that I don't have a lot of connection to in the first issue, but here when Flash comes out of like his, his time vortex and he's like melting and the, the Joker's kind of terrified and says like, tell him to go away. He, he, he can't fight here. <laughs> he has no jurisdiction here. Right? He's in Central City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and then, and Batman wants to know what's going on and he's talking about how the world is dying. It, it really is awesome yeah. and terrifying. I, I get the, I, I'm just wondering if, uh, if Marv wrote this originally with the Riddler in mind. And then somebody in editorial said, uh, could, "Could you could you make that the Joker? Why I is mean, that? he's, he's going to because the riddles and his obsession with the, uh, the clues that he left. A lot of Batman villains yeah. do oh, yeah. clues, though. Yeah, there yeah. there was a thin line at this point. Motif. The silent movie thing is is <clears throat> much more of a Joker thing. Good even though, even that. though there was an episode of the Adam West show where Frank Gorshin is after 
silent movies. Some he, he's doing crimes based on silent movies, but that was based on a Joker comic book story. Mm. They just adapted it for Frank Gorshin. We get some great art early on in this. Some great George Perez Joker faces. Mm. Yeah, uh, all over the place, really? yeah. including oh, a yeah. panicked Joker. It looks very much like a panicked Joker uh-huh. uh, towards the end, facing off against uh, a, a, a decrepit and wasting away. Very like the love the, the eyes the yeah. close up of he's, the eyes he's looking very skeletal yeah he's, he's, yeah it, it's uh, there's a lot of horror going on in this in this first page and an immediate hook because you're going on name brand characters that like unquestionable you know who these people are you're invested when Joker's afraid you know it's something weird mm-hmm. right. uh, and, and Batman's freaked out by the end because he, oh, yeah. he sees the flash basically disintegrate before his eyes and he and he literally says dear God what is happening so a little context at this point because I'm not sure how uh, familiar we are of uh, Batman seems to react as if flash shouldn't be here not just because he appears out of nowhere but also because uh, he is presumed dead, I think is what they said. They thought he was dead. Yeah. He disappeared. He's, he's, he's disappeared. like missing in action, basically. They say Iris, he thinks, late wife, so he thinks Iris yeah. is dead, and then mm-hmm. and, and Flash disappeared, I believe, if it's not in this scene, it's later on when he talks to Superman, he says, after the trial. This is in, in right. context. Flash just uh, had a trial for killing his evil counterpart, Reverse Flash, right. who he has to kill to sort of save his his. The future, the same right, as right, these people. Right. And he's been living in the future with Iris happily. Uh, I think right before this. I don't think anything The else Flash's happens. book had just been canceled at this oh, point. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So so issue three fifty was the last of it because his his sales were down and uh, the writer on that book, uh, Carrie Bates, he had just started the the storyline with the Flash killing the reverse flash and having a trial. And he got the word and he was and it was like Oh, okay. The book is coming to an end. I can either wrap up the storyline I'm doing and then do some other stories before the end, or I can just extend this storyline, this trial storyline, uh, and that storyline. Kind of final story. Yeah, yeah, and that storyline went on for I think literally two years. Wow! Wow! Uh, which for was it the good? for that time early, period, it yeah. started out good, but uh, it went on for a really long time. And I'm sure <laughs> it did not help the sales. Yeah, because um, you I, have the world's fastest man in the world's slowest storyline. <laughs> in, in, you did not have storylines go on for two years in in the yeah. 1980s. I do respect the idea of saying, "Well, this is a good place to end," rather than mid. Right uh, drama, yeah. but uh, we got this is pro- this is the first time readers have got to see Flash in a while, and he is not looking good. Nope. Uh, we get another great splash page for the title time and time again, mm-hmm. and here. By we get the way, a, yeah. Before we, we've got that panel with uh, Batman. Dear God, what is happening? Yeah. And then the next panel. Did anybody else read that like it was from the Paul Lind Halloween special? What the DC Comics DC proud- Comics proudly presents? I I definitely read. Uh, no, I got. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that Poland. No, I I took it as like they're they're going for like a cinematic widescreen. Cinematic sort of was thing. the word I was going to use. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely like this is at this point they are aware they're attempting a prestige thing. Mm. And like uh, that is the moment when the John Williams music would kick in the bum 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 bum. Ba, 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 you know, the, like well, although Superman doesn't appear well, until like midway through the splash page, about, I definitely, right. I definitely felt more of that sort of like corny, oh, save them sort of stuff from mm-hmm. the first issue when we're like with the Super League of Villains or whatever. Uh huh. But not here. Here it seems high, high stakes. Yeah. So we get a splash page reintroducing all our, our characters, although uh, still with 
fire god it's firestorm and <laughs> people i don't Killer know Frost or not i just it's very awkward and of course dr polaris is <laughs> one of the few people who gets to speak and he's mouthing off at the monitor just angry because he wasn't given a good access to to the guns before i gotta say though i've always loved dr polaris i think just because i like his costume a lot he's got those cool tuning fork ear pieces yeah. <laughs> he stole galactus's helmet and he, a magneto's power set yeah he's got an awesome gil kane costume i i love dr polaris very good no accounting for taste no i'm kidding and we're just re-establishing all the uh the stakes of the situation you know the the earthquakes the 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 volcanoes and everything else going on um and we know that the monitor is now evil because uh, his eyes are blacked out maybe or it's just a coloration issue yeah no i think i think that's just more an artifact of him having that massive martian manhunter type brow exactly Ah, it just shades his eyes so we this is what i get we we talked about our frustrations some of our frustrations with this book last episode and it carries over in the front for me and and this issue great dynamic personal story with batman joker flash great but then immediately cutting to heroes bickering in an office with, with the person who invited them there. Very anticlimactic, but I get why it's there. I just feel like it goes on overly long. Mm. Everyone is explaining how they're, they've got their doubts, but maybe they don't have their doubts. This happens a lot in this period of, of, of comic stories. We, we saw the same thing happen in Infinity Gauntlet, where there was a lot of characters reacting to how they should be reacting to things and who's in the room with them. Like, oh, that's a character I've never seen before. I'm like, settle down. You get it. <laughs> Just behave like a person in the scenario. I don't actually have a problem with that Minotaur, but... <laughs> I mean, but that was just, like you said, the the era of comics. There was a lot more sort of exposition because not everything was collected in a trade. Hardly anything was collected in a trade in this era. So you had to bring all the new readers up to speed for people who were just coming in on the second issue. Right. And yeah, you had, if, if somebody was buying the second issue at this time and didn't have the first issue, there was very little chance they were going to be able to get the first issue. Yeah, there, at this point, they were maybe just starting comic book stores that were just focusing on mm-hmm. st- comic book stores, uh, on co- carrying comics. Um, I will also say, like, the audience, let's be honest, were kids at this point. We're, we're, we're primarily focusing Skewed on... Skewed younger, definitely. Yeah, yeah. On, on younger readers. So we get a little bit of a background on whether or not we should believe uh, in the monitor. And I think more importantly is we're building up some of the drama between Harbinger and and uh, the monitor and how she is, in fact, infected and yeah. is going to betray him. Right. By right. this point, I believe she's she's absorbed all the other duplicates into herself. So mm-hmm. now her, her primary self is compromised. Yeah. So and she's like, I'm going to have to kill you someday. Mm hmm. So as somebody who is like aware of the broad strokes of this, I kind of I know what's happening, even though I have no idea what's happening at this point. I don't know how much we want to talk about that. I know what's happening, even though I have no idea what's happening. Exactly. That, that sums be, it up so beautifully. That could be on my tombstone. Yeah. But uh, uh, the thing is, like, I don't I don't want to talk too much about that. But I feel like a lot of the reveals that happen. This book is so iconic that if you're reading along with us for the first time. When they ha- when they do get revealed, I think we're gonna just be like, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. That, that that's the that's why that's like, the name of the character that I'm more familiar with. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we, we could cut right into um, Green Lantern uh, Corps. The first time we talk about Oa, apparently the the uh, Guardians are um, 
are to blame for all of this. Okay? Yeah. By the way, they're the stupidest characters in the world, I think. <laughs> you don't like the All right, go for it. Dig in. Okay, so you've got this, the super secret planet Oa. Yeah. Mm. Where do you hide your super secret planet? Dead center in the in middle of the universe. Uh-huh. It's like that. nobody's ever going to look there. Okay, go on. Yes. What other <laughs> stupid things do they do? I, that's as stupid as you need to be. Batteries, come on, who needs them? It was it was the Silver Age. It, they they just had to do this elegantly simple science fiction for kids. And how close do they so. have to keep it to the lensman? Is what I want to know. Deep cut. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's there, not, it's Julie, Julie Schwartz, the editor of the Silver Age stuff. He was a big science fiction buff, and mm-hmm. the lensman stuff was very conscious. So I I mean it's in at this point we're still just establishing like. There are stakes here. It connects to everything, which I appreciate. Yeah. But, it, but uh. these, I again, at least these are stakes I recognize. Okay, I know the Fair Guardians. Enough. Right, I know. Fair enough. I know. You know, Superman. I know Batman. You know what You've I mean? You've heard of the like, Legion. I, I've heard of the Legion. Exactly. Yeah. Like book two is the stuff I almost wish we started with, and then you could have given me. Book one with a bunch of weird characters, and then so, it yeah. just had and already been to invested. Secret Wars, where they just winked at them all together immediately. So you didn't want to start the story with the talking gorilla. Interesting. Oh, <laughs> Interesting. I just don't leader. fit the I, DC mold. You, you, I will you actually not. say that this first thing with uh, introducing the Guardians and Oa, I do appreciate a lot having read um, Fifty Two and Crisis on Infinite Earths. An infinite crisis, and I'm sorry, not crisis on infinite earth. This is crisis, on, but yeah. infinite crisis, and a lot of DC's uh, newer stuff that actually all tied back into this. Mm. It really does. It, it it's it makes it all give you a better appreciation for how elegantly everything was tied together, and everybody who respects it afterwards. How much yes. respect this has afterwards? Because this is mm-hmm. one page in the book. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it eventually, it's the the launching point of so much else. And maybe we should also say that uh, we had crisis crossovers throughout DC's line right. at the time. Mm-hmm. So this page, this sequence that we see with the Guardians of the Universe, this was repeated in the Green Lantern comic. And the writer at the time, uh, Steve Englehart, he he did a long storyline that just tied in with Crisis on Infinite Earths, and he played off of this really, really well. Right. Right. All right, so we get into the meat of what um, the 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 what what is it? What, what's a derogatory ter- term for the casuals? The casuals <laughs> will care about it's hey! Daily Planet, Superman, and Batman. You know who these people are, don't you? I'm a casual. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, and uh, they of course, um, you know, Batman recaps to Superman that um, that there are problems happening with Flash and uh, Superman very maybe kind of unsure of himself says, I'm sure we can handle this. The two of us, I think setting up maybe some dark foreshadowing about not. We've never this. really needed to cross uh, to combine forces with more than two of us. <laughs> yes. And that's where we run into, uh, the pariah again, our lavender hair, emo kid, lavender hair, black, Who finally Adam. Uh, yeah. identifies himself. Yes. This is but I gotta say, I, I do love pariah's costume. I love, I love the, oh, it's neat. the lime green and then the dark green cape. I think, I think he's a very striking looking character. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting seeing him miserable so much later on when, uh, coming across psycho pirate, seeing him when he's happy is very disturbing. Yeah. No, miserable is pariah's default state. Right. So we get a little bit more of uh, Kamandi uh, here, and uh, 
That's Commandy. cool. Commandy. 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 You know what? He was found in a bunker. It was Command D. So that's the pronunciation. Oh, oh okay. Well, Command D. That yeah. doesn't help. Command D was in this story earlier? Was he? No. No, we, no, we just we've talked just been about, talking him. about him. Okay. We've just been talking yeah, about Commandy. Because why like wouldn't you Commandy. talk about Commandy? <laughs> right. Commandy's ha- name is the secret of Nim. If you have an opportunity to talk about Commandy, the last boy on Earth, you take that opportunity. So... Secret of Nim sliding that in. Don't do that. <laughs> well, just, I'm just that was confused. another deep Let's cut. Let's keep going. We've, All right. We, so far, we've had the Lensman and the Secret of Nim. Yeah. If we take a drink. If, if someone's playing a geek bingo, oh, they God. are doing very well right now. Uh, yeah. So we do have a, a half buried uh, Pine of the Apes statue, which is actually called the Statue of Liberty. Frank, you could probably use that. Name. <laughs> <laughs> a little kid, Frank. No, was no. Like, oh, statue. Oh. Actually, it's called Liberty Enlightening the World. <laughs> God. But <laughs> all right. So yes, this is. It's an interesting moment because I, in this, I'm just gonna muscle through. That's an interesting moment because Commandy uh, does r- run into Superman, recognizes him, which is kind of weird. And, uh, and Superman's like, "How do you? Well, he probably met my other me." We should we should back up a little bit though because there's this big thing in Commandy's future era. It's this giant tuning fork thing yes. right. that is yeah, not supposed to be that. there. Oh, that has just suddenly appeared. It looks a little bit like Galactus's uh, index finger. <laughs> tower? Yeah. Let's say no tower. guts, no glory. All right. So, yeah, that's the thing it looks like. It, it's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he's climbing it because you do what you got to do. Yeah. And he runs into all the other heroes, has a little bit of levity and misunderstanding who's a gorilla and what kind of what kind right. of talking gorilla this talking gorilla is and Superman from different times. Commandy is friends with a lot of talking animals. Right. Yeah. So, so Solovar but, doesn't really weird him out that much. Your eye, but his eyes, they're so warm. Yeah. Not cold and dead from playing hours and hours of Fortnite. Yeah, all right. The, and and they're fighting the shadows, which are no right. longer a part of the monitor. Well, we never, we have never established what they are. We okay. don't really yeah. know what the deal is with the shadow demons. Yeah. Okay. This is the first time that somebody acknowledges, hey, they kind of look like the monitor. Okay, because yeah. I assumed when they appeared in the monitor's place, they were attacking that they were the monitor, but then he kind of gets rid of them by turning on the lights. Yeah, I think everyone assumes it, but nobody has yet said anything because okay. they're still in the should we or shouldn't we. Stage. Their deal will be explained more later, just cool. not right. in this issue. This is where we get kind of stay est- tuned. established that these tuning forks exist and that different bands of heroes are being yeah. sent out to protect them. And they're, they're all just in- accept the shadows as the putties of this universe. And, and they are they are all the tuning forks are in different areas and different earths time periods and so, what have you yeah they're they're certain critical areas and so. we also find out what's going on with the whole luther lois baby well, i was from excited Earth about three. this he's aging and looking weirder i guess uh so i'll be honest i wasn't sure that there was star stuff going on in the shadows of his the darkness in his uh coloration because i really just thought it was imperfections of the book you know mm. just little yeah the, pr- the printing's not the best yeah so it, it's we are acknowledging that there are there are call there are going to be callbacks, uh, but so far nothing has paid off. I guess second issue we shouldn't because we see another turning fork in Atlantis in dry Atlantis, and we have an interesting what to me feels like a really awkward start of a D and D campaign with uh, our our wizard friend and psycho pirate and uh, obsidian. obsidian all 
making their way to town. To but they they all have wonderful capes. I love that did. first they're, panel they're where all, all their capes are just they swirling may, in the breeze. They may That's how you know three, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, they may pick the three best capes to do, go on this adventure, yeah. and, and then uh, they're joined by the other cape. Yeah, that's right. By uh, by Pariah, who shows up once again, whining about how everything sucks, and then Psycho Pirate, who was expressly told not to use his powers for evil, uses his powers for evil, and uh, tries to make Pariah happy, which is not a good look. And then eventually turns his uh, gaze upon the citizens of Atlantis, which is an even worse look. Obsidian uses his very weird power to protect everyone, and we are defaulted out into the universe. Uh, it was a rush of stuff that happened that effectively this leads to the one named villain who we really had any kind of vested interest in from the beginning being yanked off the monitor team and recruited by whoever the nemesis is, whoever this bad person is who's sending the shadows who we do not know yet, mm-hmm. but who I nemesis str- bad guy who I strongly suspect I know his whoa, name. Whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't Transformers. <laughs> we can't name anybody quite that obviously. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting series of events, but uh, not really. I don't know if I w- this would have excited me as a young reader. I think at this point I would have been like, oh, well, all right, well, I guess the bad guy immediately betrayed people at the lowest stakes game ever, <laughs> and then gets recruited for the bad guy team. All right, thanks for that. And we we get more ominous uh, foreshadowing that Harbinger is going to betray. The monitor. I think that's pretty much the recap of the entire book. But what, yeah. do, what do we think of it? Um, hmm. there's that call I, out to Raven. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, was I missed that. something I recognize. Yeah, just the one panel where this is where uh, Harpenter is just like, uh, Monitor, why did we bother recruiting the psycho pirate <laughs> yep. to begin with? Because he's <laughs> he's not immediately great. betrayed he's, us. He's yeah. horrible and he's unstable and he's insane. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't the best us. choice. And and then the monitor says the what is what is he say? Like the Raven menace we deal with is one of emotion, which. Mm-hmm. The menace that we've seems been like it's about to antimatter is, yeah. is antimatter uh, destroying universes. That oh. is not really emotional. I mean, and there's Raven on the mon- on the screen. Yeah, she yeah. goes. She okay. goes. Wouldn't Raven have been a better choice? And yeah. then he, we just we kind of leave it. Lo- oh, okay, he's yeah. like, lots of things are going on with Raven right now. We kinda, <laughs> which again goes back to what we said in the first episode. Teen Titans was a hit book. Yeah, it so, was. Look, yeah. Look, George he, is sick of drawing her. <laughs> this is this is basically Marv Wolfman saying Raven is tied up into a, in a storyline in the New Teen Titans right now, go so she is that. not available yet. Like, we didn't forget about her. Yeah. Just freaking go with it. Please okay. stop writing. And, us and also, the Titans continuity was really complex at this time because DC had introduced this thing called they called the hardcover soft cover plan. Do you guys know about this? No, no I don't. No. Okay, well this was okay. This was we talked about how the, the comics marketplace that was kind of still split between the newsstand and the specialty shops. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the standard New Teen Titans book that was available on the newsstand and in specialty shops. DC decided to introduce a line of books that was just exclusively for comic shops. And so to do this, they, ch- they chose their most popular books at the time. They started out with New Teen Titans and Legion of Superheroes. And they, they had these deluxe books on nicer paper with you know whiter paper and better colors right. and all that. And these books were basically skipping a year ahead in continuity. Oh, wow. And the plan was you do a year Damn. of this book and then it's reprinted in the newsstand book. So for one year, 
Marv Wolfman was writing the Titans in two time uh, time eras. Oh wow! So he he was like setting up a lot of stuff in the newsstand that he knew book he that would pay, pay off, off later. That in must the have been really book. hard to do. And he's also doing Crisis at the same time. So Marv Wolfman very. His plate is very full at this time. Yeah, I mean that so, must be incredibly like fulfilling in terms of payoff, knowing that what you're building is gonna link up to something eventually. Fingers crossed that you're still doing it. Yeah, but uh, also exhausting. Yeah, the and phrase it, "poor bastard" keeps going through uh, my head. He he, a uh, little after he wrapped up Crisis and the whole hardcover, softcover uh, Titans thing, he went into uh, some writer's block. For a while, and he was. <laughs> I don't think you he could had call a lot that, of trouble. Yeah, I don't think you could, it's fair to call that writer's block when <laughs> empty when, well syndrome yeah, or, he or was, something. Yeah, yeah. When you've been producing twice as much as any human. Well, might. He, yeah, he got very burned out, and he's upfront about this. I yeah. mean, he's he's like, yeah, I my books kind of went off the rails after this. So. <laughs> so I know that James and and Pete were kind of well, especially Pete. You were a little off on that first book. Is this a little bit more approachable for you? Are you getting more into it or what? It's it's a little bit better. Uh, but again, still, if we weren't going on, like if we weren't still doing this show, I probably wouldn't pick up the next book. Yeah. I'm, this is very difficult for me to get through. I'm definitely mm-hmm. interested in that stuff with Flash, Batman, Batman and Superman. Um, you know, I like the angle with the Luther kid. Um but otherwise, the stuff with these guys I don't know anything about, mm-hmm. and I don't have I don't have any reason to care about them, right? Uh, you know, except now I have a, an investment in what's his name, Future Boy, Commandy, <laughs> Commandy, but only because you mentioned him a bajillion times in this episode. <laughs> Wasn't actually when I was reading well, this. Well, Marv wrote this for the podcast. It's a Jack really? Kirby character, you got to show the respect. Oh man, he was up on the bulletin board in the studio up until recently. He may still be there. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of time spent with a lot of these characters that I have no connection to. Sure. And again, when you say like a lot of them, we didn't have even even some of the ones that I was excited to see more of. We don't see in this book. Like I didn't see uh, other than standing in the big. You know, mm-hmm. the big double pager, you know, no Blue Beetle, no anything like that. And, you know, at, at the same time that DC was doing Crisis, they did a book called Who's Who, which was basically their their version of, the, like, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, which mm-hmm. was they were going through all their characters in alphabetical order and introducing... And, and you'd have people. you'd have like a nice a nice uh, hero shot of them and then a, an entry that summarized their history... And that was coming out in conjunction with Crisis. So you kind of could get up to speed on these characters. Like by Anthro appeared in Crisis 2. He was in Who's Who number one. He was one of the very first entries. Because mm. um, he started with an so, A. Yeah. yeah. As, right. as somebody who uh, recently tried to watch some of the CW show's last crossover event, which was Crisis, uh, Crisis on... Elseworlds, I think. Elseworlds. Or Elseworlds. It yeah. was Elseworlds. Uh, and, but had been kind of off the wagon for some of these shows for a while. S- like, for example, seeing Brainiac there, I was like, oh, I guess they introduced Brainiac at some point. It's Supergirl. Mm-hmm. So there, I think there's an element of that in the reading of this where you're yeah. like, if you haven't watched it all or read it all, a lot of times this is just like, huh, so they did this. And I, I, am, I can only imagine that Crisis on the CW is going to be very similar, where yeah. a lot of people who are watching this are going to be like, and who is that again? Oh, he was in the 90s Flash. Oh, okay. Uh, who is that again? Oh, he was um, on Smallville. And a lot of people are just not going to get it. I, but. I think I'm going to have that effect when I'm watching the CW Crisis because I 
the only show I was watching on a regular basis last year was The Flash, and I just kind of got sick of The Flash. Oh, yeah? The uh, show, so I'm not watching any of those shows regularly. I'll be watching the crossover, but I'm sure I'll be like, oh, so that's what's happening with uh, Barry and Iris right now. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I, I have an issue with the, the volume of shows on those, uh, episodes on those shows. It's so, very hard to watch it, but we're, we're not going to be Because it's like five that. shows. It's, it's a yeah. lot to keep up yeah, with. 23 man. episodes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, hey... Lots of stuff to watch when the world collapses. You buy those DVDs to watch them on your, your power generator. For me, I this is my, again, my first read-through as well. And there's two different ways I'm looking at it. I'm trying to look at it as what I would like at the time. And I think I'd find it a little hard to pick up. And I, I'd be very frustrated that Batman and Superman weren't doing more things, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a historical artifact, I'm loving this. Because I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my god, this is where so many other things have started. Uh, this is the the origin of so much that I kind of knew from osmosis, right? But never read. So I'm I'm excited. About I mean, it. I, I think you just have to keep in mind it's issue two of a twelve issue story, and we're still basically setting stuff up. Oh yeah. I mean, not all the pieces are in place yet, and I think by three or four we'll see. Uh, and certainly by by five. We will see some more triggers be pulled. But I'm already yeah. ready for the denouement. <laughs> so, just so I'm following. Yeah. This shadow thing is the bad thing, maybe? Yes, probably. Yeah. Probably, it but it does... It certainly seems not to be a good thing. It does save the guys, uh, you know, Atlantis wizard guy, and uh, doesn't it I save think it him? No, less no that, was, more that was Obsidian. Yeah. That was Obsidian? It's a little yeah. confusing because Obsidian is, has okay. shadow powers. Obsidian and looks like... He doesn't look that cool. different from the shadow creatures he that didn't are look menacing that di- him. Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. cleared that up for me. Okay, all right. I'm on board again. And, and I don't know if that was like an intentional choice on Marv Wolfman's part where he was just like, oh, well, I'll, I'll draw a parallel between them. Mm. But, you know, maybe he could have picked another uh, Infinitor uh, yep. to, to put in there. Maybe well, it then, was just confusing having but a then hero. That, that makes sense. So yeah. the, the monitor's supposedly trying to be the good guy here and the shadow thing that's taken over uh, Harbinger and yeah. uh, Harbinger. Man, that sounds yeah. like a good guy name now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, uh, and she's slowly like sucking away his powers as, as she's getting stronger and yeah. Well, it's not okay. that she's sucking away his powers. Well the the shadow thing. The more yeah. antimatter destroys worlds, the less power the monitor has apparently. Yeah. The antimatter and, and she's thing compromised and she's going to kill the monitor at some yeah. point. There are two major players in this and uh they're sort of compelling. That's basically what I'm about to say. <laughs> you mean you mean uh, Harbinger and the Monitor? Or? I would say Monitor and whoever's against him. Okay, whoever the unknown bad guy yes. is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm I am I'm with you, Frank. I am a kind of interested in that story. Whatever yeah. that thing's the monitor going on. and whoever's anti him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. And and the little tidbits we got of the Luther baby, like that stuff is interesting. But I guess it's also interesting because I kinda know it's all new as compared to like the stuff in here that I feel like I'm supposed to know something Oh, Luther about. Baby was in like 40 issues of a comic back in <laughs> well, the 40s. Well, it doesn't Oh, matter. yeah. Luther, Luther Baby. Babies. <laughs> All right, we're done. Hey! This is the original inspiration for Watchmen Babies. Yes. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Near Mint, please like, follow, and subscribe so you can get the latest in the podcatcher of your choice. Oh, and leave us a good review so more people find out about the show. It really does help a lot. See you next time. This has been a non-productive media presentation. 
Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. Thank <laughs> you.